are listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello and welcome everybody. You have tuned in to episode number 405 of Linux in the Hamshack. This is our short topics episode that we cover every other week on the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And tonight, the usual cast of characters is in your headphones and earworming its way into your brain right now. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4D. Oh, I heard a stutter in your audio there. Oh, really? Anyway, yeah, we used to test one, two. <laughs> we heard you we you we missed the four so you're just no. a nerd tonight <laughs> i'm just a nerd that'll be that'll be good enough people get it <laughs> okay <laughs> good deal so we should probably get into some of our short topics and we usually start our short topics with amateur radio and today is no exception we we decided we were trying to figure out what we were going to do for april fools because we're recording on april fools day and you know what we just couldn't think of anything. So April Fool's, there's no April Fool. <laughs> <laughs> we're so creative. Yeah, I know. We're we're incredibly creative. And if you've been listening to 405 episodes of this program, you already knew that. So, <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, let's go ahead and get to our first amateur radio topic today, which is World Amateur Radio Day. And since Bill doesn't know how to edit, he gets to read. Oh, there we go. Yeah. World Amateur Radio Day. That's a good cut and paste here. Every April 18th, radio amateurs worldwide take to the airwaves in celebration of World Amateur Radio Day. It is uh, It was on this day in 1925 that the International Amateur Radio Union was formed in Paris. World Amateur Radio Day is a day when the IARU member societies can show our capabilities to the public and enjoy global friendship with other amateurs worldwide. The IARU Administrative Council has chosen Amateur Radio, Home But Never Alone, as the theme. See, I did make one mistake there. (laughs) Faced with a pandemic that forced the adoption of extreme physical isolation to reduce the spread of the virus, the worldwide amateur radio community responded positively to overcome the resulting social isolation. In the days and weeks following the onset of the pandemic, radio amateurs reached out spontaneously to one another via the airwaves at the local, national, and global levels. Uh, local wellness nets provided friendly voices and regular status checks to those, especially the elderly who are confined to their homes. Stay safe. Special event stations in dozens of countries reminded us all of the importance of limiting the spread of the virus. On-the-air activity was at an unprecedented level throughout the remainder of 2020, with record-breaking numbers of entries in the major contests. Groups should promote their ward activity on social media by using the hashtag, hashtag World Amateur Radio Day, all one word, of course, because it's a hashtag, uh, on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, IARU will list all the ward activities on this page. To have your ward activity listed, send an email to IARU Secretary Dave Sumner, K1ZZ. And, of course, that was posted on the IARU webpage. Ah, very good. And World Amateur Radio Day has a special event, which we mentioned in the last episode. So if you want to be a part of that, be a part of World Amateur Day, make sure you get around to that. It's not coming up for a little bit yet, but, you know, it's a thing. So there you go. So moving on, we had, well, I don't know. Was there anything to say about that? No, you did paraphrase nicely. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. So speaking of uh, getting together as ham radio operators, the next thing is no get together in 2021. As in, that's how it's been going for the last year and more. Uh, ham radio exhibition once again suspended, of course. This year as well, the coronavirus pandemic is maintaining a firm grip on world events. Due to current developments regarding the spread of COVID-19, Messe Friedrichshafen has been forced to make a very difficult decision, and we all know what that decision is. It will not take place in the planned time frame of June 25th through the 27th, 2021, but instead will be held from June 24th to 26th, 2022. It was not an easy decision, they say, in quotes, for us. However, an exhibition like Ham Radio depends on a high level of international participation. Due to the current uncertainties in the travel sector, it is simply not feasible to hold it this year, explains Klaus Wellmann, CEO of Messe Friedrichshafen. Project manager Petra Rothgerber, yes, also expressed her great disappointment. She says, it is deeply regrettable that the event cannot take place as planned. We were so looking forward to our get-together with the industry. Christian Enzfelner, <laughs> chairman of the German radio club EV Dark, not Dara. I think we've been through that before. Uh, also said, we support the decision of Messe Friedrichshafen to cancel this year's ham radio exhibition at this early date. Naturally, we are very disappointed that our meeting with friends in Friedrichshafen will not take place. After all, however, the online version of ham radio that is now planned to take place from June 15th to the 27th is a consolation that we very much look forward to, as it will offer our members of ham radio, members of ham radio, friends, some interesting surprises. I'm going to assume that was badly spoken or translated or something. I don't know. <laughs> it didn't flow. But anyway, uh, exhibitors, visitors, and participating partners are currently being notified about these changes. And that comes as a press release from Messe Friedrichshafen, which I'm sure I'm saying very poorly because my German is poor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, yeah, another event canceled, pushed back to 2022. Let's hope. Let's hope there's a 2022 at this point (laughs) because I think we're all tired of this. Anyway, Cheryl, do you want to try and read one? Wait, waiting for her to um, hit the, the mute button. Okay, there we yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Let's see here. Now switch back to the Etherpad. <laughs> Get down no, to the third. It's, or... <laughs> the Etherpad's on the wrong wrong one, so here we go. Okay. <laughs> well, it's like sure a well oiled machine, so. <laughs> yeah, we started 30 minutes late. Let's not even go there. No, it's 831, and we're already rolling through, so. Oh, well, okay, we started 25 minutes late then, so... Yeah, anyway. so we started early, so I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> yeah, so, except I'm not prepared, so... <laughs> so anyway, our next thing is Online Com Academy 2021 is set for April 10th and 11th. Am I in the right spot? Yep, yes, you're in the right yeah, spot. Yeah, all right. Um, everything's screwed up on my computer right now. So the 2021 Calm Academy, April 10th and 11th, is two days of training, talks, and information on emergency communications and amateur radio. This year's theme is disasters here, there, and everywhere. Are we ready? Registration is free and required to gain access to the complete schedule and academy materials. The academy is entirely virtual and hosted online. It's headquartered in Seattle, Washington. Com Academy is attended and supported by organizations including Amateur Radio Relay, or excuse me, Amateur Radio Emergency Service, otherwise known as ARIES, Amateur 
uh, Radio Amateur Civil Emergency Service races, Auxiliary Communication Service, ACS, EOC Support Team, Civil Air Patrol, Coast Guard Auxiliary, REACT, and CERT, among others. All interested in emergency and amateur radio communications are welcome to network and share experiences. The event focuses on education for communications leaders, volunteers, and professionals. And that information came from ARRL, and more information will be in the show notes. All right, very good. Lots of news about events that aren't happening <laughs> or are happening, just virtual or whatever. <laughs> it's like it's like the news. COVID just will never go away. Are we, no, are we thinking that... Annihilates everything. <laughs> I know. Will, will there ever be a normal life again? I don't know. I guess we'll find we out. We can hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's hope. All right. Well, so let's let's talk about some better stuff. Well, <laughs> of course, the lead, the lead topic we have in open source is not exactly better, <laughs> but at least it's uh, bad in a different way. And uh, once again, since Bill doesn't know how to edit, we'll, we'll let him slog his way through this one. And uh, I'm sure this has been a topic that other people have uh, spoken about it up to this point, but it, it bears mentioning here as well. So... And if uh, this is the only place you get your news, which I'm sure it isn't, um, then you, you may not know about this. But anyway, go yeah, ahead. So take you, us through it. If you've been living under a rock, <laughs> you're just hearing this first time. The return of Stallman to FSF, that's the Free Software Foundation, sparks outrage among open source and free software leaders. Richard M. Stallman, otherwise known as RMS, has always been a polarizing figure. There are people who love him and those who hate him. For example, RMS often clashed with Linus Torvalds. RMS has claimed that the Linux operating system should be called GNU Linux. He also clashed with Eric S. Raymond, one of open source's founders, and others over differences between open source software and free software. And for many years, women have objected to his misogynistic manner and language. Uh, the last finally caught up with him when uh, RMS defended the behavior of the late Marvin Minsky, AI pioneer and associate of notorious billionaire sex offender Jeffrey Epstein, who didn't kill himself. Um, just <laughs> uh, subsequently, Stallman resigned from his uh, Free Software Foundation leadership roles. Then, to the surprise of many, Stallman himself announced that he was back on the FSF board of directors. Based on how other groups and individuals are responding to this move, the FSF board is sadly out of touch with their community. Yes, there are still loyal RMS fans, but that's exactly what they are, fans, not the movers and shakers of today's free software and open source world. An open letter to the Free Software Foundation states, Richard M. Stallman, frequently known as RMS, has been a dangerous force in the free software community for a long time. He has shown himself to be misogynistic, ableistic, and transphobic. Among other serious accusations of impropriety, uh, these sorts of beliefs have no place in the free software, digital rights, and tech communities. With his recent reinstatement in the board of directors of the Free Software Foundation, we call for the entire board of the Free Software Foundation to step down and for RMS to be removed from all leadership positions. It has been signed by Neil McGovern, GNOME Foundation Executive Director and former Debian Linux Project Leader, uh, Deb Nicholson, General Manager of the Open Source Initiative, OSI, uh, Garrett, a, uh, a who's who's list of free software and open source developers and leaders, and hundreds of others. And, of course, this uh, was a story that uh, Russ posted from ZDNet, our 
favorite place. <laughs> <laughs> but there has been many, 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 many write-ups, stories, tweets, and everything else about this. And I'm sure, Russ, you have something to comment on this. Oh, I don't know. I just, you know, it was, you know, all of this is about stuff he does outside of, you know, Linux and the world of open source and everything that he's being asked to be removed for. But the thing is, he was gone before and probably just should have stayed gone, I guess. I don't know. He's creating quite a stir here, and uh, maybe that's the whole point. I don't know. (laughs) And if it's an April Fool's joke, it's a really bad one. (laughs) um, Yeah, I did check the date on it. It came before April Fool's. Yeah, yeah. No, I know that. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I don't think the Free Software Foundation needs RMS anymore. I mean, if he's going to act the way he does, then he probably just needs to stay away. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure that he adds anything to the open source community anymore other than a lot of bitching about things. So I don't know. It, it is what it is. And uh, I guess we'll see if this uh, open letter to the board actually has any effect on whether or not he remains a part of the FSF or not. Or um, maybe he'll just find some other avenue to be a part of the open source world and everything. And yes, he was. We've talked about on the show many times about his uh, demanding that Linux be called GNU Linux. But we've also talked many times about understanding the difference between the kernel and the applications that go with it. But a lot of those applications actually came out of the Unix world too. So uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of uh, <laughs> GNU Linux and all that tonight. So <laughs> it's, it's already a pretty negative episode and it looks like it's not getting any better. <laughs> uh, as we move on to uh, SCO Linux FUD returns from the dead. Oh my goodness. Stephen J. Von Nichols of ZDNet reports. Oh, ZDNet, huh? Imagine no, that. I know. I just noticed that too. I was like, "Darn, I got two <laughs> stories from ZDNet." <laughs> uh, I have literally been covering Sco's legal attempts to prove that IBM illegally copied Unix's source code into Linux for over seventeen years. Uh, this is him talking, by the way. I've written well over five hundred stories on this lawsuit and its variants. I really thought it was dead, done, and buried. I was wrong. Zinuos which bought SCO's Unix products and intellectual propriet, uh, property, propriety, pro- impropriety, sure. <laughs> in, <laughs> property. <laughs> Improperty, yeah. In 2011, yeah, like a bad zombie movie, is now suing IBM and Red Hat, illegally copying Zinuos software code for its server operating systems. <laughs> it just will not go away. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the old COVID reinvented. <laughs> Officially in a statement, CEO Sean Cinder, is that supposed to be Cinder or is it Snyder? And it's I think right. it's Cinder. I copied it directly. So. Okay. So it now says, while this case is about Zinuos and the theft of our intellectual property, it, it wasn't your intellectual property until you bought it, you douches. <laughs> uh, it is also about market manipulation and has harmed consumers, competitors, the open source community, and innovation itself. Oh, yeah. I think, I think the open source community has been doing just fine. Uh, the copyright claims are almost two decades old now and have been disapproved time after time. Time after yeah. Zinuos has expanded these copyright claims to cover IBM's Unix operating systems, such as AIX as well. Zinuos, however, also claims that its litigation is based on specific Unixware, specific Unixware and open server operating systems and code that has been long dead for many, many years. Oh, that came into existence after September 19th, 1995 and not clearly or not the early Unix code. As for the other claims that IBM and Red Hat split up the Unix-Linux market between them and that IBM bought Red Hat to consolidate its market share, Zinuos has offered no proof of its assertions. 
I'm. Did you editorialize that, or is that no? A, that, that's literally how he ended up. Uh, okay, I'm so surprised. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, gotta love yeah. it. <laughs> so, yeah, the return of Sco. Man, they're gonna have to bring back up Grok Law and everything else <laughs> that covered that uh, those case attempts uh, from years ago. Like at least what last time this has been a story was eleven years, maybe something like that. <laughs> Yeah, this is ridiculous. Both both Unixware and open or yeah, it's open server, I guess, have been gone for eons. So yeah, there's much more information in the article, and of course, it's linked in the show notes. And uh, one of the things he mentioned was that uh, their free BSD uh, product uh, based product hasn't been selling very well at Zenuos. <laughs> so they're probably looking for some cash. <laughs> well, that's what they were always looking for. They're they're just like a patent troll now. Anything that has anything to do with SCO is entirely based on patent trolling. It has nothing to do with anything uh, about technology or open source or anything that's good for the community or the environment or, or anything else. It's all about money grubbing. And it continues. So let's see. How how much more negativity can we... Uh, oh, look, a positive article. <laughs> so um, let's move on from all the negativity on uh, the 1st of April, 2021, and uh, talk about a new Linux OS. And Bill, I'll let you cover this one. Sure, yeah. This is uh, Introducing Funds for Open Source. The Open Collective is on a mission to make working for an open source project a legitimate alternative to a career working for a for-profit corporation. To achieve their goal, they must remove friction between projects, the communities who support them, and the corporations who depend on their work and can fund them. Big companies call the process for paying for stuff procure procurement. <laughs> can't say it right. Procurement. It's often pretty involved with contracts, invoices, purchase order numbers, and a bureaucracy and bureaucracy, a painful thing to go through repeatedly for small amounts. It's practically a blocker. It is so much simpler and more practical to ask corporations to make one a large payment to one vendor. Make it easy and companies will invest more. The Open Collective is set up to for exactly this. As a combination of an open funding management platform plus an umbrella nonprofit, they are serving 2,500 plus projects. They have a new feature on the platform to make the experience even better and more scalable. Funds. <laughs> and that's from the uh, Open Collective. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure how I personally feel about this. This is uh, simply a pass-through organization that uh, is most likely skimming some money off the top. You know, <laughs> well, everybody's <laughs> going to make it from somewhere. And stuff. Yeah. yeah, and then micropaymenting uh, other projects and stuff. Uh, I guess assumed based upon how you want your money to be distributed or something like that. I haven't really gone into the the details of it. But if you're interested in funding open source, uh, this is uh, one mechanism to fund it and possibly also another uh, opportunity for your project to get listed as uh, as a recipient of uh, funds. So uh, that's something to think about and look at if, uh, if you have a project that is in need of funding and uh, not really getting funding from other places. Um, definitely, I uh, would kind of... Look into it, but you know, buyer beware. It it is a pass through uh, nonprofit. Did that story just get dumped in there? Because I could have sworn I went straight from ZDNet to the Flash topic. I did not. No, see that. no, no. No, I might have uh, reorganized it since you were there last. But <laughs> okay, because I was introducing the next topic, and which probably made you think it was weird because I was talking about a new distribution and you were talking oh. about open source funding. But oh, sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's okay. I just I literally scrolled down from the last article about Sco and it was Alma Linux. <laughs> so I don't know what's going wonky with the Etherpad, but whatever. Oh, I did move something a little while ago. Maybe it uh, maybe it didn't save. Properly. Maybe it didn't Who update knows? right. Yeah, yeah it's possible. whatever. <laughs> it, lo- it looks good now. So anyway, okay. So I guess I'll just jump into this next one, uh, this flash topic, which of course is just as long as all the rest of them. So I'm not sure why you call these flash topics. <laughs> <laughs> all Linux OS stable release is now live. And this comes from directly from the release announcement. We are very happy to announce today that we are releasing the first Alma Linux OS stable version. That's right. You can go right ahead and download the stable version and use it everywhere you need a stable, reliable Linux distribution because there are no others. For some time now, we are also have the conversion script in our GitHub repository, so you can also convert your system to Alma Linux OS stable using it if you don't feel like reinstalling from scratch. Well, gee, that's nice. Alma Linux OS, the forever free open source enterprise grade Linux is ready. Now, Alma Linux is a Red Hat rep, right? Um, I'm not sure. This is one of the uh, CentOS. Yeah, so it'd be, it'd be Red Hat, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, we are also announcing the formation of a nonprofit organization that will take over responsibility for managing the Alma Linux OS project going forward and some of the board members that will steer that effort. You'll have more details about it in an upcoming post, but you can check the recording of the presentation event where we talk to some of them and get their view for the future of the project and where they see Alma Linux OS going forward. So after about four months since the decision to steer CentOS in a different path, you now have a one-to-one binary compatibility drop-in replacement. Hey, yay. For people who use CentOS, it's going to probably screw with my work for quite a few months. Um, <laughs> with a very long support time frame, you can use it for any general purpose computing need in bare metal installations and virtual machines and containers and cloud providers. We got you covered with official images for all those cases. And have we mentioned ARM support is coming soon too? Can it ham? I don't know. Oh, Bill, yeah. That can it ham? Yeah, I know. I don't I, know. I, I didn't get a test that yet. So. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's enterprise grade. It should, ha- it should ham, right? We could, we could do it. Um, I will say that the image that I downloaded from them was their full DVD and it was eight point uh, something gig. So okay. I didn't have time to actually, uh, to load it up yet, but it is on my, uh, to do list to virtual box and take a, take a look into it. I will definitely have to check it out as well because I know we use a bunch of CentOS at work. And if this is going to be, the upgrade path for CentOS since CentOS is now, I guess, officially dead that I'm going to have to put this on my radar. So I'm going to have to test it out and see how it goes. What does it say? Which version of CentOS it's a direct compatibility with? Is it seven, eight? Do you, do you know? I did not look at that. Sorry. No. Okay. Eh, not a problem. Information of course is going to be in the show notes and uh, I'll be looking at the show notes so I can figure out what I'm doing next with all my Linux. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, Moving down to Linux in the Hamshack topics, we only have one for tonight because, you know, it is what it is. But uh, it's another Linux distribution. It's one we have talked about before. And uh, wasn't Gojira, or not Gojira, what's the new one? Go- Go- Garuda. Garuda, that's it. Wasn't that, like, where this went? Or is no. still at- No, we had that uh, that article that said uh, the sexiest uh, desktop. The sexiest desktop is no longer deep end. <laughs> Oh, okay. Got Garuda right. So, but apparently, deep in that uh, wonderful Chinese distribution is still a thing, and there's a new release. Yeah, this is Deep End twenty dot o two. Of course, they don't follow the years, so who knows? <laughs> but this uh, <laughs> this just came out, 
Uh, besides the updates of Deepin applications, Deepin 2002 comes with an optimized UI and ex- user experiences and some new features. The kernels are upgraded to kernel 5.10 for LTS and 5.11 stable. And the uh, repository is updated to Debian 10.8 for better stability and compatibility in Deepin 20.02. I should probably put the O there because they didn't. Uh, you will discover better system performance. So uh, I did get this uh, loaded up on the old VM, and uh, it was uh, it was fairly dog slow in my VM. But you know they kind of say that's going to be problem. <laughs> so, um, um, but do you have? Hmm. Well, when you first install it, it does have a pretty desktop. I do have to say that. Is it prettier than, uh, or sexier, I should say, sexier than Garuda? Eh, uh, no, not really, but it is sexy. And uh, uh, I was kind of thrown off at the very beginning because it does not have uh, access to, like, the ham radio pure blend and all those good things that we like throwing on a, on a ham radio-ready distribution. So the score was plummeting rapidly. Um, but... I did a simple uh, apt uh, install software properties common, and guess what? Hey, I can now get to all the stuff that I was looking for, and I'm currently installing the Ham Radio Pure Blend in here, and it looks like it is working uh, fabulously. Um, I don't have everything installed yet, but at this point, I can say that it's a standard Debian feel <laughs> to uh, getting your software installed. So getting software on here should be no problem. Um, so it's just that one extra step that you need to do, uh, which is kind of important, right? <laughs> Software properties common. That's what you need to install. And then you can go on from there like uh, you're on a normal um, Debian-based system. So, uh, yeah, so check it out. It uh, I, I'd give it an LHS score, uh, you know, with that one little hiccup, probably like a 4.1. So I'm just going to set it in stone that it's at 4.1. It is quite sexy. Um, I did run the system updater, which did have a package ready for updating. It did take quite a long time. It does do a backup right beforehand. So I'm not sure to what extent that actually does. Um, but if you've used deep end before, you know, they do some custom applications in it as well. Um, so that's kind of, uh, kind of a cool thing. You can check out their applications. Uh, some of the stuff you will have to switch out of, uh, uh, out of like your, your browser's default search engine is Badoo. <laughs> So <laughs> not very uh, uh friendly for us but um but you can obviously change that to uh you know your favorite duckduckgo or whatever you happen to use for your search engine um and of course you can put on you know whatever browser you want as well hey you can put edge on here why not um so uh so yeah so it uh, it looks like uh this one is uh, is good to go and um yeah i think you'll be happy with it if uh, if you're a deep end user and familiar with it uh, it should be no surprise to you that it, it is going to look really nice. Uh, it's got a new bottom bar, which all your icons sit in. It's, I think the last one was more of a dock. Um, this one is more of a panel instead of a dock. So um gives you a lot more information all in one spot down at the bottom of the screen. And I'm sure you can move that around if you want to. And the, uh, the background is, you know, eh, pretty cool. It's kind of like a gradient pink to blue with a big deep in uh, logo and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, check out, uh, Check out DeepN and don't be afraid to use it for a for a ham radio shack computer. Well, I would not be afraid to use it, but you know, I have my old standbys, and uh, I got to get a machine that's good enough to do VM environments with. The ones that I have here are aging 
poorly <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I don't, don't really have enough RAM and resources to uh, to do VMs particularly yeah. effectively. So well, I just use this precision and just beat the heck out of it. I'm just going to use it till it dies. It's got 32 gigs of RAM. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, I wish. If I ever Gen, get Gen something i7, it's, a, it's kind of it shows its age here and there. That's for sure. Yeah, if I ever get my work computer that I can bring up here and use it for home when they buy me a new one, then I'll uh, then I'll because it's got 32 gigs of RAM and a RAID array and everything else in it, so it's pretty yeah, decent. It makes it nice to do. Yeah, it makes it nice to do VMs with it because you can you know throw some serious RAM at it and a bunch of extra processors and still get some decent performance. Right. All right, cool. Well, that brings us down to the end of our stories. And uh, I saw earlier in the chat that Dan KF5TQN shouted death to Sco. So <laughs> it's funny how we thought it already was, but, you know, whatever. Like like I said, it's it's obviously putting in uh, an appearance on The Walking Dead. But uh, I think that brings us down to our social media roundup. And I, and I hear the dogs sort of barking in the in the background. So... <laughs> So this might have some accompaniment. <laughs> woof, woof, woof. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's like a train's coming by or something. So. Yeah. Well, anyway, so uh, to the dulcet tones of dogs barking, I guess you can do the social media roundup. All righty then. So our Patreons this time are Patrick Ang. I'm assuming that's the correct pronunciation. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with it. Probably going to go with Ainge, like uh, the famous basketball player from Boston. Uh, probably. They could be related. So They could be. Yeah. <laughs> and he's new this time. Uh, we also have Douglas Shock, Eric Guth, Brandon Rosek, John Spriggs, Robert Lewis, Robert Pitts, Douglas Redder, David Jakeway, Darren King, Cubicle Nate, Erno Gostalis, Samuel Vimes, Peter Caffrey, Richard Gordon, Paul Griffith, Jonas Rulo, Donald Gover, Herb Garcia, Steve Sainer, Steve Metcalf, William Heckelman, Randolph Smith, and Andy Webster. For our subscriptions, we have Eric Muller and Carl Backus. Those are both new. We also have Isaac Geyer, uh, or Gear. Thomas Foy, Michael Burdak, Kevin Ivey, Tony Coberly, Ronald Ike, Johnny Kinsey, Peter Spots, Fred Cole, Bill Pewter, Jeffrey Boris, Robert Halliday, Wayne Hale, John Clark, Steve Hepler, Michael Jopling, Roger Pereira, Howard Dittmer, Todd Bowers, Michael Carey, A. Taylor, Dylan Angle, Jim McKenzie, Bill Collins, Robert Black, Darren King, Randolph Smith, Robert Yerke, Steve Biello, Alan Wilson, Mark Farrell, and Jeff Zimmerman. On Facebook, we had Mike Baxter. I'm assuming that's the uh, last man standing Mike Baxter. It is. Uh, yes, that joined us. We also have Steve Hagerman, Danessa Fryer, and David, da- excuse me, David Potter. On Twitter, we had at Ham Radios Canada, at Black Da 5595812, at Todd Eye, at Penguin 0694-6998, and at OpenRTX. Uh, no YouTube joiners. Russ is still working on the mailing list, trying to get it recovered. And there were no merchandise sales. Yes, you cannot sign into the mailing list right now. However, I discovered that even though the mailing list blew up, I still have the lists. So I haven't lost anything as far as data. I'm just trying to convert it over to Mailman 3, which has become quite a bear of a project. Uh, but as soon as I figure out how that works, I will get the mailing list back up and running and we'll be able to use it again. I'm, I'm glad to know that I did not lose all the lists. <laughs> so, uh, cause that would have sucked. 
Um, but anyway, thank you for the social media roundup. And that brings us down to the end of the show. And uh, with that, we want to mention the folks who are listening to us live and chatting with us in the chat room tonight. We had a pretty good crowd here. We had Ted, WA0EIR, Don, KC9ZMY, Tony, K4XSS, John, K1BTZ, Darren, VK6EK, and Dan, KF5TQN, who are uh, in the Discord keeping us entertained as we sit here and talk to you about different amateur radio and open source topics. And with that, we will close out this um, very unfoolish April 1st episode <laughs> of Linux in the Ham Shack number 405. And we hope you all have a great week and will join us for our next deep dive episode 406, which will come out in a week's time. And in the meantime, have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Russ K5TUX. I'm Cheryl W5MOO. And I'm Bill NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The show is recorded live every Thursday at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord you can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW that's 1-909-547-7469 visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show themed merchandise become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. <laughs>